Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to our service today. My name is Ken Carter. I'm a member of the Diaconate, that's the leadership team here at Brighton Road Baptist Church, and it's my privilege to be leading us in this worship service this morning. This is something of a milestone for us as a church because it's actually our 10th online service. We've made it to double figures. And in fact, it's now 12 weeks since we were last able to gather together as a church family for worship at our building on Brighton Road. Sadly, I fear it might be quite some time yet before we're able to meet together. So for the time being, we will continue to produce these online services. I wonder, however, how we're all coping in this very strange situation. We're very conscious that all of the typical day-to-day -day challenges and issues that we face are still very present and perhaps made even more difficult and more challenging because of these extreme circumstances in which we find ourselves. We have concerns about family and relationships, concerns about health, and we are very aware of a number of our church family battling with uh, serious health conditions at the moment. We have concerns about finances, particularly in this situation that we're facing at the moment. And so I want to take this opportunity on behalf of all of us on the diaconate to assure all of our church family of our love and our care and our prayers for you as we navigate this situation together. But there is, of course, some good news. And I'm very delighted uh, to be able to offer our congratulations and our love to Simon and Lovelina Marshall on the safe arrival of Elodie May on Thursday this week. We were delighted to hear the news. We offer you our love and our prayers and we very much look, for, look forward to seeing you the next time we're able to meet together again. But perhaps the most common frustration or common issue that we're all facing is that of separation, that inability for us to be able to meet with extended family or friends or colleagues as we would normally do. But perhaps as a church, therefore, we are more easily able to identify with the frustrations experienced by the Apostle Paul in his ministry. In 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2, he's writing to the church at Thessalonica, expressing his frustration at his inability to be able to be there with, with them in person. And he writes, Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. And yet the circumstances that he faced at that time prevented him from being there. But, you know, we have some fabulous benefits today in the form of modern technology that enables us to keep in touch with one another, at least virtually, and indeed for us to be able to worship together virtually online. And we come together this morning to worship a God who is faithful to us, whatever our circumstances or situation. And we were reminded of that in our call to worship this morning, taken from Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9, which reads, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. And as Marian reminded us in our service last week, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And so as we come to worship this morning, we can be confident that God is with us, that he loves us and he is present with us in our homes and in the communities in which he has placed us. So whether you're a regular member and attender of Brighton Road or whether you have just stumbled across us online, you are welcome as we come together to worship God this morning. The theme of our service today is the different gifts that God has given to us according to his grace. And our minister, Tim, will be exploring that a little bit later in our service. And we'll have contributions from other members of our church family. 
but we're going to begin our service with a worship song that we know and love and sing quite often at Brighton Road. It's by Chris Tomlin and expresses something of the power and majesty of God and his immense love for us. It's called The Splendour of the King, Robed in Majesty. How great is our God. Let's worship him together. Psalm 86 we find these words. You Lord are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer Lord, listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods there is none like you Lord, no deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you Lord, they will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvellous deeds. You alone are God. And our next song enables us to express that sense of God's love and power and majesty and his personal care for each of us, his deep love for each of us, as demonstrated through the love and sacrifice of his son Jesus. My Jesus, my Saviour, Lord, there is none like you. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, nothing compares to the promise I have in you. And so we worship together.
probably heard the word talent before. And most likely you'll have seen a talent show on television or perhaps you've even been in one in real life. Jesus had some very wise words to share about how people use their talents in a very well-known story. In this parable, a talent was a certain amount of precious metal, generally thought to be gold, which was very valuable, an ancient version of a big wad of cash. This is the parable that Jesus told as written in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25 and verses 14 to 30. There was a rich man who had three servants. He had to go away on a business trip, so he left them in charge of his wealth. He gave five bags of gold to one servant, two bags of gold to another, and then one bag of gold to the last servant. The first two servants took the gold given to them, put it to work and made more money out of it. The first servant earned another five bags of gold. The second earned another two bags of gold. But the third servant didn't know what to do, so he dug a hole in the ground and buried his bag of gold. When the rich man came back from his trip, he called his servants to see him and he asked them what they had done with the money. The first servant presented him with his ten bags of gold. Well done, said the rich man. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The second servant presented him with four bags of gold. Well done, said the rich man. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The third servant told the rich man, I was scared of you, so I dug a big hole and buried the gold. Here is your one bag back. The rich man was angry and said, Lazy servant, you could have put it in a bank so that when I returned, I would have had received it back with interest. So he instructed that the bag of gold be taken from him and given to the servant who had ten bags, and he threw the worthless servant out into the darkness. There are a couple of things Christians might learn from this special story. One is that God gives people gifts and talents, but most importantly, we are given these to be used for good and to serve God. It's a waste to be given a gift that's not used. Matthew 25 verse 29 reads, For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So what talents do you have? You might be a talented musician, singer, artist or athlete, football player or rugby player. You might be great at maths or science or fabulous baker or chef. But you might have special abilities that you have never thought of as talents, such as being able to listen to people or make friends and make people feel welcome, or being kind and caring, looking after someone when they feel lonely or are unwell, cooking a meal or running errands. There are so many gifts that turn talents that God has given each of us, and it's up to us to nurture them grow them and use them for God. And if we ask God, he will help us to do that and he will give us the courage and strength to step out in faith for him. So as we go into this new week, perhaps we can all consider how we can use our talents and gifts to make our home, our street, our community, our town, even our world a better place, particularly in this very difficult period that we're living in right now. Can our leaders in prayer, let's pray together. Loving God, maker of heaven and earth, we come before you today as a body of your people, physically separated but united in our love for you and in our desire to bring you our worship, our praise and our adoration. Father, as we meet together in our homes and in the communities in which you have placed us, Will you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open our hearts so that we might hear your voice, that we might sense your presence with us, that we might know your will, and, Father, that we would receive the courage and the faith 
to walk in your way. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. During this period of lockdown, a number of Christian worship leaders and musicians and songwriters have made resources available online for churches to live stream. And so our next song is from Sovereign Grace Music, and it's entitled, O Lord, My Rock and My Redeemer. It reminds us of God's great love for us and faithfulness to us, even in these most difficult of times. And so let's carry on as we worship together.
Let us pray. Psalm 46 reminds us, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. God is in the midst of the city, it shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Lord, who is our refuge and stronghold, we pray to you. For the health and well-being of our nation, that all who are fearful and anxious may be at peace and free from worry, Lord, graciously hear us. For government officials, and those in authority who are leading countries and organisations through this crisis, that they make wise decisions. Lord, graciously hear us. For mission workers overseas, that they will be able to continue their work where possible, and that those actively fighting the virus will remain healthy. Lord, graciously hear us. For all who are caring for the sick, Give them skill, sympathy and resilience. And for those seeking a cure, grant them your wisdom. Lord, graciously hear us. For the isolated and housebound, that we may be alert to their needs and care for them in their vulnerability. Lord, graciously hear us. For our homes and families, our schools and young people, and all in any kind of need or distress. Lord, graciously hear us. For a blessing on our local community, that our neighbourhoods may be places of trust and friendship, where all are known and cared for. Lord, graciously hear us. In our journeying with you, it is your hand that stops us stumbling or slipping on the path. Your word that keeps us growing and builds upon our faith. Your power that grants endurance whatever happens next. Thank you for joys discovered and blessings received in our journeying with you. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
Good morning everyone. Today's reading is from Romans chapter 12 verses 1 to 8. Therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully.
Can I begin by asking you a personal question? I'm not there in the room with you, so you don't need to try and impress me with your answer. I'd just like you to be completely honest. The question is, are you comfortable in your own skin? What do I mean by that? Being comfortable in your own skin means knowing yourself, accepting yourself with all your strengths and weaknesses. That doesn't necessarily come easily or naturally to us. As someone has wittily observed, as soon as we start to get comfortable in our own skin, it all starts to sag. So what about you? How comfortable are you in your own skin? If I'm honest, I, I haven't always been comfortable in my own skin. There have been times when I've been quite envious of others, really, of their skills, of their physique, of their confidence, of their achievements. Self-acceptance hasn't always come easy. And some of us, we struggle with it throughout our lives. Almost as soon as the insecurities of youth are left behind, we're hit by the midlife crisis and the anxieties that brings. And then after that, we have to struggle to come to terms with the diminishing capabilities that inexorably come with advancing years and old age. So, if you're not comfortable in your own skin, life can give you a pretty rough ride most of the time. For me, it's made a huge difference having a wife who works hard to protect and bolster my fragile self-esteem. I also had a mini breakthrough one time when I, I was on retreat. I wandered into the bookshop and picked up a book on the Enneagram, which is a, a model of the human psyche. See, it simply sets out nine different personality types. When I read one of them, The Observer, I thought, my word, that's me. That's why I think the way I do. It was a liberating discovery. But the other lesson I've learned over the years is not to make the mistake of measuring my value, my self-worth, in terms of how hard I work or in terms of how much I achieve. Instead, the only measure that counts, the only measure God uses, is the measure of faith. And that's about believing, having confidence in the knowledge that because Jesus died on the cross for me, God does not condemn me for my failures. I'm accepted by God as I am for who I am. And that means I can accept myself as well. Now, if you've been paying attention to the reading earlier, you might be thinking, well, Tim has missed the point here. After all, in Romans 12, Paul warns about thinking too highly of ourselves, not about beating ourselves up over a sense of personal inadequacy. But you see, over the years, I've seen in myself and in others how easy it is to respond to feeling bad about yourself by seeking a vantage point from which you can look down on other people. We boost ourselves, we lift ourselves up by putting others down. But if you've grasped the gospel of grace, then you can find your security in the knowledge of God's love for you and his acceptance of you. You don't need to be looking over your shoulder all the time to see how other people are doing compared to you. God accepts you. And when God's grace to you in Christ meets an answering response of faith in your heart, there's a spiritual reaction and the resultant compound is a set of gifts that is unique to you. The set of tools God has given you to do whatever job it is he's calling you to do within the body of Christ. And each one of us has a part to play. Within the body of Christ there's no one who doesn't belong. There's no one without a gift. There's no one without a role. Just as in your body all the different parts cooperate to enable you to make the most of each day and do what you have to do to live your life and get stuff done, so each of us has our own part to play in enabling the body of Christ to be effective in God's service. And there's a range of gifts. Paul lists seven here in Romans 12, but the list is representative there's prophesying, serving, teaching, that's me, encouraging, giving to others, leadership, showing mercy. Some of these are upfront, high-profile gifts. Others are unobtrusive, behind-the-scenes gifts. Some are practical, getting stuff done, 
others are interpersonal, working with people. But they are all equally manifestations of the grace of God at work in the lives of people as they believe and trust in Christ. They are God's grace working in you and through you. And for good measure, Paul says something about how we should use these gifts. If you're going to prophesy, well, you should do it in a way that corresponds to faith. <laughs> I could wish he'd been a bit clearer about precisely what he meant there, but I guess if you're going to stick your neck out and say something you believe God has given you to say at a specific time to specific people, then you need quite a bit of faith to do that. What he says about the next three gifts is relatively straightforward. In effect, he just says, get on with it. If you're going to serve, then serve. If you're going to teach, then teach. If you're going to encourage, then encourage. But for the next three gifts, he says something about how we should exercise them. If you're giving to others, be generous about it. If you're leading others, be diligent about it. If you're showing mercy, be cheerful about it. You can almost hear him saying, it ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it. But I like what C.S. Lewis had to say about this in a sermon he preached just after the outbreak of World War II. So, ladies, please excuse the patriarchal language. The work of a Beethoven and the work of a charwoman become spiritual on precisely the same condition, that of being offered to God, that of being done humbly as to the Lord. This does not, of course, mean that it is for anyone a mere toss-up whether he should sweep rooms or compose symphonies. A mole must dig to the glory of God, and a cock must crow. We are members of one body, but differentiated members, each with his own vocation. A man's upbringing, his talents, his circumstances are usually a tolerable index of his vocation. Eighty years down the road, those words still stand good. But how shall I sum all this up? Perhaps I can do so in this way. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God, to the best of your ability, and to the benefit of those around you. That's how God calls you to live. That's why he made you the way he did, and gave you the gift that you have. And when his grace meets your faith, gifts are the result. And as we ask for God's help to put them to good use, the whole of life, the way we live, the way we love, the way we serve, all of that together becomes an expression of worship to the God of grace.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Give you peace.